What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo Gig News and Interviews. I'm your host, Steve. Let's get it on. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Rideshare Rodeo. Uh, okay, let's see. You guys, um, pile of stories, as always. Um, I'm going to try and get through as many as I can. Um, this is the OG original podcast, so runtime here is about staying under an hour, between 50 minutes and an hour. And then you guys get the Friday podcast as well, which is the roundtable. That seems to have been received well, so that will keep on continuing. Um, the 13 minutes of news, I dropped it a couple times uh, on the weekend. Maybe it was partially a weekend thing. I don't know. It didn't perform as well. My guess is because it was 13 minutes. I keep forgetting that when an audio podcast, people are looking for the long plays. So I will just take that and include it into one end or the other. Uh, but it'll get in there. And sometimes you guys are going to get bonus podcasts in the week, too, because anything long form I do over on YouTube, I will bring over here. So got some great guests coming up to the podcast. Uh, got some CEOs, got some CEOs of some delivery companies, a couple startups. Um, we have um, some people in the autonomous field, two guests in one episode that will be in December. But that's going to be a really good one. You guys know me. Um, so you're probably thinking uh, either he'll go to the wall against these guys or he will uh, not go to the wall and, and go easy on them. So if you're trying to figure me out, if you guys know this about me, um, let's take unions for an example. You know I'm not pro-union, but I've had very, I've had the farthest extreme pro-union people on here. I mean, Willie Solis, part of the Gig Worker Collective is a friend of mine. He's very pro-union. And he, um, he's he been on here a couple times. So, I mean, Willie and I don't see eye to eye on a lot. We're friends. Um, but we're able to discuss this stuff. We don't, we don't rant and rave or troll somebody or, you know, talk bad about each other behind each other's backs. We, we actually have conversations and we get places. If you guys have heard those. I mentioned this because a couple weeks back, um, on Twitter, of course, so you guys are, or X, you guys are probably already saying, well, then already, who cares? It's Twitter. But I had a comment given to me by somebody I know saying, you know, um, I can't, it was something along the lines of, I can't tell if he's serious about not being union or if he's not because he's had Willie on the show. Yeah, I've also had Vina Duball. She's as, she's more union than Willie. These are big guests. Of course I have them on. If I didn't, I would just be a podcast that is expressing my opinion, which of course I do throughout the podcast, but is expressing my opinion and my opinion is the only one. I have guests on here all the time and I challenge myself as well as the guests to let's have a discussion. It's it's not, you know, get them in here and ah, gotcha. That's not the kind of person I am. I'm going to have a discussion with them. And yeah, some real facts and real questions will come out. However, I do it in a very respectful way because 
if we have a good conversation, guess what? I'm looking to have them back. So most of you guys know that. I just wanted to put that out there because if you, if I have a guest on one week, you can't say, oh, he's this way because that was his guest. No, 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 no. Any guests that are going to be respectful of the program, of me, of my audience, they can come on and we can have a conversation. I do not have to agree with them. And I think that's why most of my listeners love this program. I mean, we're one of the most downloaded gig podcasts that there is, hands down, hands down. Um, so for audio podcasts, uh, we're, you know, in the top, I can say this, we're in the top five and even higher than that. So, uh, you know, um, I'm, and I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back because this is episode 283. I think we will hit 300 with the Friday episodes too before the end of the year. So, um, That'll be a good thing. We'll do something cool for that, you guys. But let's move into it. So um, we're going to start off in Toronto this week. So Toronto is or has frozen all TLC licenses for rideshare drivers. I want to talk about this a little bit because remember, we've talked about this many times. For those of you who have not heard the episodes where we talk about um, the TLC over in like London. Okay. They have different levels. Um, but we used to say, why don't we do what they do? So let's roll back in time a little bit. They still do it over there in, in London, but let's use that as a quick example. I'll roll through it. So over in London, if you want to be a cab driver, if you want to be one of their um, very extremely world famous black taxi drivers, uh, which is like actual, it's like college. You go there for years. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very serious. Um, and if you want to be a cab driver, if you want to be an Uber driver, rideshare, or any other rideshare that's over there, you have to go through the TLC training, even for Uber and, and uh, other rideshares. I was about to say Lyft, but they're not there. Um, but for any rideshare, you have to go through it. It is not the same course, obviously, as the years-long black cab uh, service that they have to take for classes. Even their normal taxis, it's not as long as that. But it's a they want to make sure you understand things. You know how to deal with situations. You're basically getting certified to do the job. You know, like what almost like when you get a driver's license. So I mean, I'm not even complaining about this. Maybe it's not the worst thing. Um, you know, I mean, people should know what they're doing and, you know, how do you handle this or how do you handle that? And I mean, I don't think it's the type of thing where the failure rate's very high, but I think it helps to weed out some people because you have to go through this and to do it, you have to pay. It's not a lot for the rideshare for taxi and for black and for the black taxis over there. Um, it's a lot more because the schooling is a lot longer. However, I think they have some kind of payback system as well on those too. But um, for the rideshare, it's not very much. But I mean, even like, let's put it in US dollars, even $50 makes you really think if you want to do that. I mean, around here, we don't have any barrier to entry and you don't need a dime. You just say, I want to do this. And they run a uh, checker background re report for $27, which is an F minus service across the board. Um, it does horrible work. Uh, I don't even blame Checker itself, by the way, guys. We've talked about Checker a lot. I blame the fact that Checker handles all of it, 
we know how many gig workers are app-based gig workers there are in this country. There's way too many for Checker to be doing all this. And it's weird to me because it seems like somebody should come in and compete with Checker, right? But <clears throat> regardless, our system doesn't do anything like that. Theirs does. And when they get the TLC license, after they pass their two-week class or whatever it is, week-long class, I can't remember, they get a badge um, or like a lanyard that they wear around their neck. In that la- On that lanyard has their picture and their name and number in case, just like the taxis do everywhere, you know, something to coordinate to them other than just the app on the phone. So they have that. Also, within that lanyard, there is an R- there is a RF reader. So when you are um, when you are getting into a Uber over there or other ride shares, you are your car is verified by your phone as you walk up to it because of the driver's RF. So there's no more. Hey, is this my car? I'm so and so, or say my name, or any of the weird things we do here. It's just, yep, this is him. Cool. Um, it's a little more, I think it's an extra level of protection, to be honest. Uh, and this is specifically for rideshare. So over in Canada, in Toronto specifically, about a year and a half ago, they started a program where Uber drivers who were already on the platform did not have to do this. They were they were grandfathered in. So they could remain Uber drivers in Toronto and they were good. Anybody new that came on had to take a five-day class and pass it just like over in London. And that was done by the TLC, the Taxi and Limousine Commission. They have one up in up in Canada just like we do here. So um so the so they gave tests if you paid a certain amount. Again, it was a very low amount, but it just added to that to that barrier of entry to make sure you're truly interested before, because that's another, you know, what here's part of it. Like, would that if we had that here, would that solve part, not all of it, but of oversaturation? Just because like everybody on Uber signs up for Lyft, everybody on Lyft signs up for Uber. But if you were doing okay on Lyft and you're just like, well, I've been told to sign up for as many apps as I can, I'll sign up for Uber. Would you do it if you had to pay 50 bucks if you're doing well on Lyft or would you wait until you needed to? And I think that's an interesting concept. But regardless, they are doing that up there too. Now, that wasn't enough and they are now pushing this EV thing. You know how we treat EV here in the United States. Um, we make updates. We just lie. Um, it's like, uh, er, and you know, the companies lie to the media and the media prints it. And then we say that the media lies. So first, there's a couple things to remember. The media is in bed with most of these companies on some level. You know, I mean, like take any media station, TV, radio, whatever, and if you look, it's it's like looking into politicians' backers. If you look into who's who, the owner of the media, what else he's involved in, you might find it's DoorDash or whatever. I mean, all kinds of things. But my point is, is um, so now they are up in Toronto. They are halting all onboarding of 
Uber drivers. Existing Uber drivers, just like when they when they put the class in place, can stay on the platform. But until at least the fourth quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter of 2024, and this again, hear the key keywords, at least the beginning of the fourth quarter of 2024. So what is that? What is the fourth quarter of 2024? October 2024. We're October 2023. For the next year, Toronto cannot hire one Uber driver. Any Uber driver that already exists can stay on the platform. This is partially an effort because of we know how Uber acts, how they don't pay some fees, and how they try and skirt tail things. Well, they tried some of this in Toronto. So Toronto was also starting to lose its cab market. Now, you might be thinking, well, we lost the cab market here before Uber even started. So what do you mean? Because that's that's what Travis saw. He saw a window and he said, hey, cabs are dead. Nobody takes them. Let's do this. And elsewhere in the world, cabs are still huge. So, I mean, look at Spain. Spain's kicked Uber out a few times. They've had fist fights with the cabbies and the Uber drivers. So up in Canada now, they are not restricting taxis. They are not restricting um, uh, any other services except for rideshare because they say that unlike here with our fake dates, yeah, we'll be 100% EV by 2030. Yeah, we'll be, um, you know... Every, not just rideshare, but every car in California by 2030 will be EV. Okay, first of all, we've talked about this relentlessly. And we know, look, the, the power grid had, the governor of California told, the, told everybody in California um, that over the summer that they had to turn off, or it was la- a year ago summer, that they had to turn off their air conditioners because, um, because of the grid. So if that's the case, how are you going to put an EV charger at every house or enough to charge every vehicle? Where's the infrastructure? Where's the highway dedication? Where's the lane fixing up? Where is this, that, the other? Where are the cabillions of dollars that do not exist, even in California, coming from to make up this fake date? Fake date? Well, in Toronto, they're demanding that all Ubers be electric by 2025. So starting in the fourth quarter of next year, 2024, they will look at it and say, how close are you? And then they will decide how many they can onboard at a time based on how close to the goal they are. So they all have to go to EV. Now, I think I cannot find it for sure, but I think that the only exception is if you have a 100% EV car, you can still onboard in Toronto, but that doesn't even guarantee you'll onboard it allows you the chance to. So if a bunch of EV owners did, my thing about that is I have problems with it down here. If you go north into Canada, it's pretty cold most of the year. I'm, I'm just curious how these EVs, how many people, not just how they perform, but how many people up there truly own them. I mean, I don't think that people are going to go out and buy EVs with their eight months of winter up there and those really harsh winters too. When people own trucks and other things and and vehicles that can handle really bad weather. Um, so who, who knows? We'll see. But regardless, they have actually pulled a trigger. 
and they're also making their drivers get training. I think, you know, maybe this wouldn't be the worst thing. We know that drivers, some drivers are amazing. Some drivers are awful. Some amazing drivers quit because of oversaturation. They can't make enough money. And it's too bad because I wish they would have stayed. And then some of the horrible drivers keep driving. And the, the money that's being paid to drivers has lowered, I think partially because of the, the product that we sell. It's, and I'm not saying like we're, we're giving such a bad product with rides that, you know, nobody wants to take them. Yeah, they, they still want to take them, but we're not giving across the board. Like I might, uh, some of the people I know might give A plus service across the board. Clean cars, everything. I've rode in other people's Ubers. Some people are great about it, you know, pretty meticulous like I was. And like, you know, I mean, when I'm doing other apps, I don't need to be, but I still keep my car clean. But regardless, there's a lot of people who don't. And I think that's gotten to people like, uh, I mean, like, it's almost like, a, um, you know, like you're worried. You, you, you're calling for an Uber to go out for the night and you're like, oh my God, I hope it's clean. I hope it's clean. You know, you just don't know. Um, and that's, that's, that's kind of a, a, a bad fact, you know? I mean, I wish that people to even, even if people are just like, well, I'll just do rideshare for a while. Okay. That's fine. But then now treat it like, even though you're flexible and you're your own boss, treat it like a business, realize that, you know, you are representing all the drivers out there and you're potentially affecting somebody not taking a ride again or deciding, man, I'm going to stop tipping these Uber drivers even if their next ride is amazing, they still just might start going, you know, across the board though, I'm going to tip less. This is, I've been tipping a lot. Plus we're, you know, inflation, recession, all these things are not helping either, but we need to start um, living up to a better standard. And I, you know, I know this was an imposed EV thing. However, I think it's very important because I think that, you know, you need, a, it's like pride in your work. You know, I don't care if you're washing dishes I don't care if you're a banker at, at Goldman. I don't care if you're what you do. I don't care if you're a doctor, brain surgeon. I don't, you know, I mean, take pride in your work, you know, and if, if it's not, if it's a stepping stone to do the gig economy, take pride in the work you're doing while you're getting to your stepping stone. So that said, I was, I'm, I'm you know, it's a shocking story to see, but I'm, it's a little bit relieving because can you imagine just for a second, imagine if we brought something like this here. And I know a lot of people are thinking, dude, this is just, why would I want to go to these classes? Well, first of all, you'd be grandfathered in, but let's say that you did it anyway. And I mean, forget the freeze, just even a classes or something. Can you imagine the slowdown and onboarding in your market that would then allow you to make more money? Maybe go back to a surge multiplier. Maybe go back to even because we know they like to play games, but they used to play games that were very profitable to us. Now it's like spinning a slot machine in the nickel section on the nickel slots and seeing if you can, uh, you know, sit there all day and just keep bling, 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 see if you can hit a jackpot. And when you do, you're winning nickels, a bunch of them. But nonetheless, um, pride and work, all this pay. I mean, it's, it's all rolled up into one and I'm not saying that the companies aren't at fault. They are, but I, I, I'm not so against something like this. I've always said that 
I do think there should be a barrier to entry. I'm not, this does not, by the way, apply to, um, to delivery or something like that. Still pride in your work and whatnot. I'm just talking about when you're taking passengers. Um, that's a responsibility and you should know what you're doing. Um, okay. So I've had some really, uh, ups and downs about Instacart. Maybe we'll get to that. I don't know if we'll get to that one today. I do want to talk about this, though, because this is really interesting to me. Um, there's an article in Payments today that is about Grubhub going after the hotel space. And what they're talking about is hotels that do not have uh, kitchens or restaurants within the hotel. So any location that, you know, even nicer hotels whatever. Homewood, Homewood Suites by Hilton was on there. Resorts, World, Las Vegas, Sinesta. Um, there was a bunch of them. But here's my thing. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I, I know some people who do okay on Grubhub. But Grubhub before the pandemic was great. In fact, it was probably the leader because it was, it was a very, it was 100% transparent up front with your pay. Uh, they did have a much bigger share of the market. That's how why Uber Eats came in. And then when DoorDash did, it was really the pandemic that transformed everything. And DoorDash and Uber Eats just had the largest pockets. So they went way beyond them. But it's Grubhub going after this space. But here's my question. So I see these places, uh, Resorts World, Las Vegas, and I think, okay, well, I just went to Vegas not too long ago. And I don't often order Uber Eats, but I did when I was in Vegas one of the nights. The other nights we did other things, but one of the nights we just, uh, we had been out all day and out the night before and, and we stayed in uh, in the evening and just decided to go that route. We were beat. I ordered Uber Eats because I have Uber Eats on my phone because I drive for Uber, but I also have the, um, the food and, and, and rider app. So as a passenger, so um, when I land in Vegas, if I decide or anywhere decide to use an app, what is it? Because I cannot find anything in this article about what the what the deal is. They're just all they're just using aggregators to find out which are the best locations. But aren't most people just going to open the app they have? Like even customers, if you use DoorDash, DoorDash is everywhere. Aren't you just going to land? Turn on your phone after you get off the plane or you drive there or whatever. Get into the hotel. You're not going to go, oh, you know what? I think Grubhub was in an affiliation with this. So let me get the Grubhub app. You're going to go. <laughs> you're going to open the app that you have. Unless you've never used a food app, then maybe it would be an ad to Grubhub. But I, I question at this point in time how many people that stay in hotels have never used a food delivery app. And I, I do question that. Because I think if you've used any and you have them on your phone, I think you're going to use the one you have. Um, and I, do, I just don't know what that'll do for Grubhub. What I did see <coughs> uh, with these deals is that, <coughs> or what I was looking for was, um, you know, are they going to... Uh, like maybe I was thinking when I saw Homewood Suites by Hilton, for instance, I was thinking, will they maybe do a you get uh, travel points or hotel points, um, airline points, something where they maybe 
getting affiliated Grubhub with that kind of program where it's like, okay, I use DoorDash, but I get a thousand frequent flyer miles or a thousand Hilton points if I use Grubhub. Okay, that's a different story. And then if they had a code, but none of that kind of stuff existed. It just said they're sending aggregators out to to check out the United States and see what hotels uh, don't have restaurants and, and really kind of try and brand into there. My personal opinion, I'm not really sure why they're doing this. I don't, maybe there's more to the story that'll be released, but where this story ends today is I don't really get it. The last other thing I wanted to say about that, though, is that at this time when Grubhub is going after these hotels, uh, I'm going to do a little twist to Instacart here. So Instacart is having a lot of trouble. And this is a story that I am working on for next week. I want it to be full. It's probably going to be a big piece of the story. I'm going to go through the whole timeline next week. Um, it's just going to be a piece, but it's going to be it's going to be a good it's going to be a good sized piece um, because I don't think they're going to make it much longer. Uh, I've had friends say to me, "Don't you think that Instacart or Instacart should sell the DoorDash right now?" I mean, and when I when I do the follow up. I'm, I'm in the mode of like, okay, well, why? You know, I try and keep it simple. And most people are just like, well, I mean, DoorDash is starting to do that kind of stuff. And they, they just should. Okay, well, maybe. Um, I don't know. I've said I think Instacart's value is in EBT and Snap now. Nobody's ever had all 50 states for Snap. But my problem becomes... How are these drivers going to be paid? Because we already know Instacart's cut its fees in half. And, you know, you used to make $8, which was nothing, and plus a tip, but you could be tip baited or, um, you know, no tip at all, and you're taking these orders. It takes you an hour plus to do an Instacart shop that's of fair size. Uh, by the time you're doing gas, your time, everything, if you're making 8 bucks, you're losing money. If you're making 4 bucks, quit. Um, but this is at a time when, if you guys have heard me talk about dumpling before, dumpling is the major, better version of Instacart. So this comes at a time when Instacart, uh, is like just losing, hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging because they did so, they, they were just okay. They did so well during the pandemic though. Um, and it's just been downhill for the past while. And even in the best Instacart markets, who people used to say to me, it's not that bad everywhere. My market's still really good. I'm hearing a lot of people, even some of the people I know who only did Instacart and did pretty well, um, telling me that, no, dude, it's, it, I barely use it even as fill-in. It's, it, it's really losing its, its appeal on all levels. Um, there's a few reasons for that. One thing that Dumpling has done, you guys have heard me talk about this Dumpling, is that Dumpling is offering a go-after-the-resorts thing. So, like, Airbnbs, resorts, uh, getting in with those people and having a program where whenever somebody leaves, the next guest in can ask to have this and this and this stock. Even though they don't know the shopper, they can use the Airbnb recommendation, which would pair up with Dumpling partners. So if you guys ever want to learn about that, uh, you can go check out um, uh, Holly Camp. It's uh, Savvy Shopper Delivers. 
uh, on YouTube and check out her channel. She's got a bunch of dumpling content. I sit in on it sometimes. So I, I think there's going to be something there in that space. But this grub up thing, no, I really just don't. I mean, first it was Amazon. Now this, I just, I just feel like Grubhub is struggling. And I mean, clearly they are, but I don't know what, I don't think they have enough market share. I don't think this is going to do anything. I don't know how much longer they'll be around. So um, if they lose their partnership with Amazon, I would really say it's pretty, in, unless something huge happened before that, but um, I would say I would think it's over for them. Um, so Uber to face uh, sexual assault claims in new multi-district litigation. So this is pretty wild. So we all check a box. The reason I'm bringing this story up, first of all, it's good information to know. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because Uber has always had us do a checkbox saying that we will go to arbitration, uh, this, that, the other. There is a judge in San Francisco who is allowing 90 cases. It was 88, but I'm, as of today, I'm reading 90, um, where it's uh, instead of these arbitration cases and people can't afford lawyers and you can't, I mean, like most people can't afford what it would take to fight Uber on a daily basis. Uber's willing to lose money as a company and throw bad money after bad money at lawyers just to beat you down because, and here's why it's never to take on a certain person or destroy a certain person. It's because they don't want that one even single case where somebody won. They want those to be like one every 10 years kind of thing because those set precedences. Um, so this is how far they go. But regardless, this judge in uh, San Francisco is now willing to deal with all 90 of the cases because it's kind of like a class action lawsuit because I think that in this way, you know, you might have the opinion of wouldn't each, wouldn't, if, if it was a sexual assault, wouldn't each passenger want to have their day in court and whatnot? First of all, maybe not all of them. But second of all, where has that got them over the past whatever years? I mean, I know it wasn't, it wasn't very well heard about in 2009 in California when it started, 2014 when it got to most states, 2013-14, um, you know, wasn't very well heard about. But around 2015, we started hearing about it all the time. But how many of these people do you think get their day in court? Because first of all, they've got this arbitration thing. And then even if it's sexual assault, can they afford the lawyers? And if Uber drags it out, even if they do find a lawyer who's willing to take on this Uber case, um, can they afford it? Uh, you know, maybe a few for a while. But I mean, like, again... When I say endless pockets, I think we all know what we're talking about. Endless pockets, for real, guys. So, yeah, I I think that this is in hopes that it will receive a lot of press. It, they'll be able to present the, you know, the safety report that showed 6,000 uh, sexual assaults were reported in Uber from 2017 to 2018. The second report, uh, and this is, Uber was like trying to challenge that 6,000. The second one they they didn't challenge because they thought it sounded good, which was 2019, 2020. But in March of 
March like six, 16th, 17th of 2020, Uber went from their whatever daily volume is to literally zero. Stay-at-home orders. Um, you know, I remember a couple Uber drivers. I remember so many Uber drivers I knew, like me, who, you know, stopped because of the stay-at-home orders. But then even once they started back up, it wasn't that because of COVID, people weren't going back to doing rideshare. It was because you could turn on your rideshare app at home and not even be cherry-picking. Be looking for, in a city, be literally looking for any ride and maybe see one in a day. And this is during the height of COVID. Nobody wanted to do that because there was no money left in it. Nobody was taking Uber. I mean, it wasn't until like, you know, in 2021, it kicked up a little. Then we had that second outbreak of the pandemic. Well, then it died back again, not as hard as the first time. And it's still coming back. And now we're looking at what's about to be like exploded prices, lots of um, legislation, you know, new terminology we're not used to. But in the end, it's going to be fewer rides with legislation and new and the new pricing models that will put them under. It's going to be fewer rides from customers, um, much higher rates for customers, which will even cause fewer rides. Um, and then, you know, probably not as many drivers cause a lot will fall off and yeah, you'll be paid better for the rides you do a little, but you're not going to get the volume of what you did. So I don't know if the trade-offs anything worth it. I, I don't know. I do agree. They have to up the prices, but it should go to the drivers and we'll hit on that. Um, well, I guess right here, but yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, I think that, you know, I think a, a case like this, um, especially with one judge okaying it, that means to me that they've tried to push this many times and that other jurisdic jurisdictions and judges have not allowed it. So, because this is a big win, they have never had a judge allow this. So Uber fought it big time. So, you know, I've read the articles. I, I see maybe what they're trying to do because... They really, I think the bottom line is, of course, everybody wants for the victims to get some kind of restitution or feel good about it or better, um, some kind of peacefulness with it uh, so they can move past it. Because I'm not to say that it wasn't the most horrifying thing, but, you know, I'm sure that the people would like to try and move on with their lives. So if that's the closure they need um, and if this would help, okay. I'm going to be interested interested to see because I again I go back to will this one judge that did this and if it goes well will this be precedent for other areas to go you know what let's do that seemed to cuz it's also would be easier on the legal system too but like not quite as hard as unions I I don't believe class actions often again often cuz I know sometimes they totally do but I don't believe they often bring all the people who were unjust um, dealt with correctly. Again, this is kind of the exception, though. This is sexual assault. This is different, which also is different than it's being able to be a class action. It's not a bunch of people saying the work conditions are bad. It's This is sexual assault. So it's interesting. We'll keep an eye on it. Um, so over in Australia... Okay, and the reason we talk about Australia a lot is because we follow each other back and forth a lot on this gig economy stuff. So over there, they have different groups 
You know, we have different political parties. Over there, they have a party called the labor. We think of labor as just work, you know, when you're working, you know, that's labor. Um, the labor is actually a group over there. And they have proposed a workplace overhaul um, that leads to higher delivery pl- prices. Um, it reflects below acceptable levels of pay. So basically what's happening here is that Uber is is warning Australians now, are they are they doing this like they did in um, Minnesota just recently when all that was going on and they were trying to get the people behind them or when they try and get drivers to, hey, this legislation's coming to your state. Click here to say you want to keep your flexibility, but behind that click is a bunch of things you should know and read, but you don't. And I'm not just talking about checkbox stuff. I'm talking about like this is going to be legislation. They're trying to get ahead of it um, and put you on their team even though you might not want to be. Um, but even if it's not 85%, I do believe it's going to be high because they are pushing for the entire, all of Australia is pushing very hard that all gig economy, not just rideshare, this would be all food delivery, everybody is an employee under the proposed workplace legislation. Um, so delivery, uh, drivers, um, rideshare, um, courier services, any of those apps that are over there. And again, they have a ton, um, and they have a lot of the same ones we do too, but any of them over there would be, would fall into employee status. Uber says if that happens immediately, uh, the pay that the the clients will pay will go up 85%. So let's say that every week or, you know, every, let's say every day you take a $10 Uber to work. So now that Uber without tip is going to be 1850. I don't know if, if that's really what Uber does. I think that's a perfect example of almost trying to because of the way uber has acted in most countries even here about just hey get out of our way we're gonna do or want want we're uber i think it's almost their way of backhanding them and saying well we're gonna make it so expensive for the customers that you guys aren't gonna have many and if you don't remember not too long ago in australia just like they're trying in california and like they've tried in new york never is gonna work they just end up abusing the cabbies for this Um, but Uber over there did the same thing that they were doing with cabs and they took their main taxi over in Melbourne and they said that, um, they would dispatch, uh, their cab through the Uber app. What they, what they did though, was they actually had to pay a lot of money Uber because they were making the taxis more expensive than the Ubers in the app. So the taxis and some of them independent weren't, weren't, they were, the, the deal was supposed to be that they were going to set them at the taxi's price. But just like we know with food delivery or with this, that, and the other, the transparency is very little. So what they were doing was they said, okay, yeah, what do you want to charge? 15. Okay, well, we're going to add our new cab fee. That makes it 25. 
and that's what the customer will pay. We'll give you your 15. So they weren't clear and they weren't transparent and it showed and they got their butt kicked a little bit. So now they are being pushed again and we're not, we're going to see I think before the end of the year. What did I see here for a date? Um 65% of the legislation that will be voting on this uh the transport workers union everybody um is vote is is slight is slated to vote in favor of everybody being employees. And I think we know. Listen, if we hear about this before the end of the year that all gig workers in Australia are employees, do you need to think that as of the first of the year will be start will be labeled employees? No. But will it definitely help the stride of some of the states that are pushing for that or ways that will destroy our potential to earn more? Again, I'm not a floor meets ceiling guy. I don't want to know that some people only earn $2. I can I work the toughest hours and I can make $30, $40, but now I can only make $18, $19 because that's going to be the rate for everybody. That takes the that takes the hustle out of it for me. And so therefore you're just going to be stuck with a bunch of people who don't want to do it. And it's, and you're going to lose all the best people. This was never meant to be this way. And maybe that was part of their plan. But if that was the case, then that plan worked because this is how it should work. I think again, I keep saying it, just the space needs to be defined, but we're going to keep an eye on Australia too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that should happen by the end of the year. So one more time, speaking of Instacart. Um, okay, so over in the UK, again, a lot of uh, over out-of-country things going on here, huh? But there are, int- there are things we need to pay attention to. But over in the UK, Amazon is taking on Instacart. Now, we know Amazon had a thing about doing sprouts here in the United States, um, Amazon has tried taking uh, um, Grubhub under their wing. But now, um, and there's a couple reasons for this. So the over in the UK, Amazon is going to try and release their version of Instacart through a co- uh, with a in partnership with Waitrose. So what they're going to do, is start delivering groceries. Now, we've had people from the UK on the podcast. Um, most of the time, they don't really have food delivery shopping apps. Um, so that's kind of a, this is kind of a new thing, you know. Um, but the goal, and it even, this is an article from Payments on October 10th. Um, the goal isn't just there. And this is the part I take a look at. The goal is for Amazon to, if it all works out, somehow fit it into the Prime membership or an option of the Prime membership. Maybe somewhat like a Grub, like what they let Grubhub do. Like, hey, give away three months for free, and then you charge eight, seven bucks a month, or maybe even cheaper. And that goal is to bring it here and take over the share of Instacart, which is failing. Um, another thing to be mentioned here, there are in Denver, there are fleets, 
fleets. I keep seeing more and more and more of them. I have conversations with people in other markets about it. People in other markets tell me about other grocery stores that are doing the same thing. Not all markets are seeing this yet, even though all markets are hurting with Instacart. But here we have fleets of Kroger trucks. They're 26-foot refrigeration trucks. And for $7, you can have Kroger delivered to your house that day. For $5, or I'm sorry, for $5, you can have it delivered that day. In-store prices, digital coupons, paper coupons, in-store coupons, and uh, your points. Like here in Colorado, um, our Kroger's, our King Supers, but they're owned by Kroger, but they have gas stations at many of them. You get gas points every time you shop. You'll be able to add those gas points from your shop of the Kroger shopper and a refrigeration truck delivering as many groceries as you need for $7 um, in an hour or $5 if needed that day. And that's it. And you get every perk if you went, than if you went yourself. You're not paying inflated Instacart prices on the items. You're not paying these crazy service fees. You're not having, you know, you're not tipping. I mean, maybe you tip this guy too, of course, but I'm saying like, you're dealing with the on-the-books money, and you can even use all your discounts. So it's the same as you going, minus the delivery fee and whatever you want to tip them. Um, this should destroy Instacart. If Amazon makes something happen over in the UK with this and brings it over, Amazon could figure out something with Walmart for that little bit of difference, because we know Walmart's spark is starting to dry up a bit. These are because, why do you, I mean, look, some people say that, you know, yeah, but, Insta, you know, like, you know, Instacart and this and this are still being used in my market where there's refrigeration trucks. Yeah, they'll probably be used forever as the backups. There will not be volume, you guys, because if they're going to pay people to drive these refrigeration trucks, they're going to make sure they're working all the time. And again, when I say a fleet, like there's a fleet by me of at least 20 of them. But I've seen other Kroger's where I've seen fleets and it's about the same size, maybe a little smaller. So 15 to 20 per fleet. And I know of at least four locations that have fleets. Now, that might not seem like a ton to you, but 26 foot refrigeration box trucks that go out, do deliveries, go back, refill and go back out. That's a lot, even for one. But you do the math. I think if Amazon's here, I think if Amazon makes a go of it over in the UK where they don't have a lot of competition, they'll bring it here. Um, the only thing that really Instacart has to hang on to anymore is their caper cart. And I honestly, my own personal deep dives on the caper cart, aka used to be the smart cart by Instacart, um, <clears throat> is it really isn't that technology advanced. Um, you know, the fact that it can, uh, as you put the items in it, it, it adds them to your, to your tab on, on the cart so that then you can just pay through the cart. I mean, really all it's doing is reading a barcode. So it's not, a, it's not technology. It's just a good idea. <laughs> no. But I, I mean, the other companies will take it from my point. I think all they really have is Snap and EBT. Problem is... If Snap and EBT could handle their own volumes, why 
then they wouldn't be outsourcing to Instacart. So why are they outsourcing to Instacart? Because Instacart is making them better offers than they can offer the people who even volunteer. Yes, volunteers sometimes get paid money. So even volunteers can't handle all their work. And those are volunteers. If they are getting paid, it's not much. So unless you are a nonprofit gig worker, I don't see how Instacart's going to be in your future. But please, if you still have a crazy good Instacart market, email me, steve at ridesharerodeo.com. And in fact, I would love to have you on the podcast. Like I said at the beginning, it's not to disagree with you. I want to hear, I want to hear a good story about Instacart, two, three, whatever. So email me. I would love, love, love to have you on. Um, so the can Uber help reduce return anxiety? That's still going on. There's still articles everywhere. You guys, this is nothing more than Uber Connect again. Um, and we, the very first time it rolled out, it was just simply used, uh, in the Bay area and over half of its usage was for drug dealing. And there were, um, there were actual units looking into and surveilling Uber connect before they made these, uh, cause they were gang busts using these. You don't know what you're taking. You're not bonded. Look, I can't, if I say this too much, I'll, I'll just at least keep it short because it does need to be said a lot because somebody might hear it for the first time. And even if you've already heard it from me, you need to hear it again. Do not believe, make sure you know what you're doing because do not believe that because Uber, DoorDash, or somebody offers a feature, don't believe it's legal. Do not believe it's legal. I mean, right now, the delivering of alcohol, okay, Drizzly sold for what? One of the largest amounts that any gig company ever sold to. And they sold um, to Uber. DoorDash and Uber both wanted them. And yes, DoorDash still can use them, but they buy a license from Uber. But here's the thing. I don't know what contingencies were in there because there are court cases going on that are saying that is not legal. Like here in Colorado, I'm shocked it is legal because to touch alcohol package or in a bar or restaurant you have to be TIP certified. You have to get those TIP certifications every six months. If you're not, you can't touch alcohol um, to, and take it to anybody. So these delivery type platforms are kind of new, but that's a perfect example. They just decided to do it. They don't give you any certification and they don't warn you because what would they say if some, look, if your state goes down for Drizzly, most likely you'll just be it'll just be closed you won't be able to access those orders anymore but if in any way like you got you know you delivered to somebody who produced an id and it was their older brother and somehow they were a minor and they were having a party and somebody over drank themselves to death and they do an investigation into it and you're not tip certified not that that would save you but you're not tip certified you're working for an app and, the, and if some kid were to die at a party uh, from drinking, now, if they sued you, do you, do you think, first of all, do you think Uber has your back? Because if you do, again, as we come to the end, near the end of the show, email me, Steve at Rideshare Rodeo. If you honestly believe Uber would say, well, that's okay. I mean, they were using our platform and delivering through our, our, our other uh subsidiary company drizzly that we own um we got their back please email me (laughs) 
Because no, they don't. <laughs> and and that one again, we won't argue, but we need to talk about this because no, they they won't. Um, in fact, like I said, there's court cases going on to challenge it. And if those court cases were win, you know, they might not because a lot of times Uber's very good at paying off cities, municipals, things like that, or donating things or giving free rides to uh, to um, elderly and free rides to voting and things like just things like this that the city can like overlook things. But if it were to go down in a couple places, I guarantee you that Drizzly license dries up real quick um, because I think that needs to be revisited. It's like any idea that pops into their head, they they put on the platform that day. They're not. It's like they're. Are you guys even running tests? Are you guys even? going through strategy groups or what are you doing and like this uber connect this is the third or fourth time it's been on the damn app it's had a couple different names but nonetheless you don't know what you're taking so yeah this is an article for it's in retail wire called can uber help reduce uh return anxiety well this is for the customers it's a cheap way to send a package back but if you got a package and you said, oh, I don't want this, and you put it back in the box and taped it shut, what is in that box? Is it the item or is it other stuff too? I mean, this is what happened before. I mean, and that's the thing. There's no difference. This is what happened before. Um, okay, a couple more quick things, and then we're going to be done here for the day. So there was, an art or there was a uh, study done about airports. And it's been done every year, I mean, or most years, you know, they run these kind of studies where how expensive is it to park at the airport? Is it more worth it to take a ride share? This is the first year where at most airports in the U.S., it is cheaper to take your car under most circumstances and park it in the expensive parking lots at the, uh, at the um, airport. And I'm not talking about short-term and leaving it there for five days. Of course, that would probably be more. But like the long-term lots, you know, you're better off now. And that this didn't used to be the case. You're gonna make you're gonna save money to take your own car. Well, that was part of the reason of taking Ubers there was because it was easier than leaving your car. And um, and it was either the same price or a little cheaper. Once it becomes more, we're talking about a different game. So, um, what is the day today? The sixth or the seventeenth. So, um, on o October fifteenth, article on RideshareRodeo.com or AKA UberLiftDrivers.com, uh, clearing up misconceptions about AB five by Karen Anderson. You guys go and take a look at this. Uh, it's a it's a quick bullet pointed um, article that she wrote. It's got nineteen points on it, and it fully describes AB five. I have people ask me all the time. She has 19, like, uh, two to four sentence points. And each one of them fully explains everything you need to, to know about, about this. So, and it even talks a little bit about Prop 22 on one or two of them. But I think everybody should read this because I think a lot of people are misinformed on AB5. That's a California thing if you're not familiar. And it killed many careers. So, you guys, please go look into that. Um, uberliftdrivers.com from October 15th, just a couple of days ago. And the last story we're going to end on here today, and it's just a kind of a, a stupid but funny one. Um, it's a TikToker. 
but stick with me. It's only going to take me a couple minutes to get through it. I just found it strange. And, uh, yeah. So a TikToker who goes by the name, uh, uh, Pizzante, uh, is well known for his blunt commentary as he's garnered over 137 followers and sharing his, uh, strong opinions. Um, one of the things he does the most is he explains or on the spot quits jobs. So like he he's he's like in rants explained why he quit Taco Bell, PetSmart, Amazon. Um, however, his story about why he quit DoorDash had viewers and stitches about what prompted him to leave so abruptly. So uh it in it, it went viral it's a tiktok video uh he explains to his followers for many reasons his many reasons for leaving various jobs through his life one being his job as a dasher for doordash while describing why he quit pizzante said he was uh first triggered by the by the orders of the day saying that they were absolutely crap so this is a guy saying, I'll try and I'll DoorDash now. He gets on there. He's like, wait, how does anybody take these from like the get-go? Um, he then said, said that on the same day he received a delivery from one customer who placed his, um, his what he likes from Shake Shack. So he, he likes Shake Shack and what he likes to get from Shake Shack and or a customer placed... So instead of doing the job, he picked up the Shake Shack order, ate the meal, and deleted the DoorDash app. And I'll leave you with that. Because while I laugh, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's never good to, to do that and to go out like that. I actually had a joke made, which is kind of why I was laughing while we were doing this, because I was talking about this with somebody. And... So the person happened to say to me, well, couldn't he just turn the app back on? Because that's only one, that's only one strike. He still has another one to go. And I was like, you know, that actually might be true, sadly. But um, I would imagine that if he deleted the app and just literally went off the grid with the food, they probably, maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but regardless, you guys, be safe, earn smart. We'll see you back here next week on the Rideshare Rodeo podcast. And, of course, Friday, you guys will get the bonus Rideshare Rodeo roundtable. So until next week, you guys, be good, be safe, make some money, and see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.